0: Go are listening to a sermon podcast from Lawson Heights Alliance Church. May God bless you as you listen. Well, in preparation for our missions conference weekend, I was I was uh, in conversation with a couple of our international workers. We call them now what we used to call missionaries, who work in the 10:40 window. Uh, it's this little window up here on the overhead. You'll see this is the largest proportion of the unreached people groups in the world right now as well as the hardest most dangerous people groups to reach in the world with the God with the gospel they all live in this window and because of that I can't tell you their names the names of the missionaries I was talking to you because they live in this window they work in this window but these two couples work in this area in a very highly restrictive community Of course, they don't identify as missionaries there. They have other jobs, and in between all of that that they do, they also do the work of a missionary, and we're exactly what we've been talking about in this series. They're there because they have adopted the Father's heart for the nations, and just like Jesus, would you say, just like Jesus? Just like Jesus, these missionaries are filled with the anointing of the Holy Spirit for mission. And every day, they stay dependent on the Holy Spirit for their equipping, for their direction, for their empowering and emboldenment, and for the work in their field that they have been called to, to share the good news of Jesus with an often resistant life network that God has placed them now in. And you know what the first thing that they said to me was? First thing out of their mouth was, please make sure you tell the people of Lawson how much we appreciate and depend on their prayers for everything that we do here every day. Without fail, they thank us. And they beg us for more prayer from us. Why? Well, I think it's because they have the same longing that the Apostle Paul had. From Romans fifteen 20, we've been reading this in the last week, last month. I have always, it has always been my ambition, Paul said, to preach the gospel where Christ was not yet known. Why is this so important to the day in the life of a missionary? Well, let's find out as we look at what we can do better to share in in our shared participation in the Father's missionary enterprise. You know, it was at a missions conference many moons ago at Rosewood Park Alliance Church in Regina, my home city, the first church I'd ever attended, 17 years of age, And I thought God was calling me to go on the mission field. I remember sitting in my church, second pew from the front always, because my friend Scott, the guy who led me to Christ, said, those who are the closest to God sit in the front pews of the church. (laughs) And I believed him. I believed him. He knew. Because my friend was a missionary kid from Quito, Ecuador. His dad was teaching missions at our Alliance Seminary in Regina. And that Sunday, we had missionaries from Japan. And I remember hearing that the Christian Missionary Alliance had been in Japan since 1891. That's before any of your birthdays. And they shared with tears in their eyes that Japan is still one of the least reached nations in the world. That's why Japan is still within that 1040 window. And yet, Japan is one of the easiest countries for missionaries to enter. Go figure that out. Today, the situation hasn't changed much. When they shared that, they begged others to open their hearts up to God's call to become a full time alliance missionary. While well, moved by their tears and their slideshows, do you remember slideshows, guys? Missionary slideshows, they were famous. Never worked, but they were great when they did. And perhaps the fact that I loved ninja movies and kung fu movies back then, I was drawn to Japan. I thought, man, I would love to go to Japan. And I told my friend Scott that I thought God was calling me to go to Japan. He said, well, then you need to talk to my dad. That scared the tar out of me. (laughs) I'd been in their house countless times because, I mean, he was my friend. I'd been there lots. And his dad had a study in the house and... I'd been there a lot of times, but he was a great man of faith with decades of missionary experience under his belt and now a seminary prof sitting in his study and I go in to see him and he sits me down and he looked real serious. Now you'd think that Jake would have been excited and happy to have a potential missionary, a new recruit to train and send out, but as I sat down, he just just asked me a few questions. And then he said, let me pray. At first, there was a long, quiet pause, and I mean long. And then he stood and he said, Mike, I don't think God is calling you to go on the mission field, but he's glad that you're willing to go. I stood and said, well, where does he want me to go then? And with a smile on his face, now the smile comes, And he says, I have no idea, but if you stay willing, he will definitely tell you one day. It was at that point that I came to realize that a willingness to go was a significant moment in my life. And it has stayed with me until now. Maybe like me. You know that God is not calling you to go overseas to be a missionary on a different continent. Although maybe you've never asked him. Ask. Find out. And if you don't know for sure, then I'd recommend that you first determine if you're willing. This is what I've come to know. Called or not to the foreign mission field, all of us are missionaries here, right? Remember your life network? Your life network is your mission field. If you profess the name of Jesus as your Savior and Lord because Christ is in you now, he is He who is in you is not content for you to stay where you are. And he's not content to be in you to stay where you are. See, Jesus infuses you with a missionary spirit. spirit, So that every one of us should be willing to go wherever God tells us to go in our life network. Or maybe even overseas. But many of us who profess his name... I think we have said no so often that we've tuned him out, even to a local field. Today we find the great missionary, the Apostle Paul, who not only heard the call of God, but had a special visitation from Jesus himself on a very lonely road. And on behalf of God, he is now calling others to help him in his missionary work. And as we read it and study the implications of it for ourselves can I ask you to do one thing for me today? Actually, more like one thing for yourself. Can you be willing to do whatever God calls you to do today? Romans 15. Let's pick it up. Romans 15, verse 17 to 33. Romans 15, 17 to 33. Are you there with me? Mine's on page 1383, in case you're wondering. Yours will be on a different page, okay, just so you know. Therefore, Paul said, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and wonders through the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem all the way around to Elycrium, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I've often been hindered from coming to you, But now, there is no more place for me to work in these regions. And since I have been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so while I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey thereafter. I have enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the the Jews' uh, spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So after I've completed this task and have made sure that they have received this contribution, I will go to Spain. And visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. And so I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there so that I may come to you with joy by God's will and in your company be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. Two weeks ago, we had Heather and Andres come here and she shared with us and she asked us to join with her in her struggle by praying for them in Mexico City. Two weeks from now, we will have Jerome and Morgan here from South Asia, and I know that they will be asking us the same thing. From verses 30 to 33, we're going to explore how we can help them best from here to do that. And even if you have never heard the call to go abroad for missions work, Paul gives us some insight into what our missionaries need most from us. That being prayer. First point for today is this. Of course, I'm a preacher. I have three of them. Number one, missionary praying is a Trinitarian thing. Anytime I can say this, I I say it. Missionary praying is a Trinitarian thing. It's always a Trinitarian thing, but I need you to understand that for our missionaries. I urge you, my brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Notice that the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and God the Father are mentioned here. Not, this isn't, this shouldn't be surprising to us since the mandate to go to all nations and the great commission of Jesus that Jesus gave us in Matthew 28 has within it the inclusion of the triune God, As well, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let me read it for you. Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of what? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Clearly, the command or the commission to go to all nations with the gospel is a Trinitarian thing. And even if we never hear the call ourselves to go to a foreign field, it is our co mission. It is our obligation to do whatever we can to disciple people here, to send them out from here, and to support those who do go. That's how we all go on the mission field. Amen? Jesus said so. And Paul makes it very clear that the triune God is a missionary God, he's on a mission. All three persons of the Trinity are united and engaged in the Great Commission in getting the gospel to the ends of the earth, and so should we. That's a pretty weighty thing if you think about it. Your Heavenly Father, your brother, the Son of God, and your indwelling partner, helper, the Holy Spirit of God, are totally invested in getting the same gospel that saved you to the ends of the earth to people who have not yet heard it through his church, and that includes you and me. That should speak volumes to you about your part in the salvation of the world. And what does that say about the activity then of prayer? It sure puts an importance on praying for missionaries, doesn't it? Think about the chain of influence here. John chapter 17 is known as Jesus' high priestly prayer. It's a prayer that involves the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In verses 1 to 5, Jesus prays for himself and his part in fulfilling the gospel. In verses 6 to 19, he prays for his disciples and their part. And in verses 20 to 23, he prays for us, those who would believe in the apostles, the disciples' message, and us 2,000 years later. Listen to it, John 17, verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone, Jesus said, not just for my disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me. What's that? That's Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is that glory because it says, and they will be one as we are one because of the Holy Spirit. I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Haven't we all benefited from this gospel? Of course we have. So think through all of that. Think about the fact that we have the forgiveness of sins and the hope of eternal life in Jesus only because a missionary before us brought the good news to us. A missionary brought the gospel to you. You heard it from a missionary, even if it wasn't a foreign missionary, could have been a My Life Network missionary. You who then also heard it from a missionary, who heard it from a missionary, all the way back to the settlers of Canada who heard it from a missionary all the way back in Spain and all the way back to the Apostle Paul and all the who also then heard it from Jesus. Think that through. If you came to faith through your family, maybe mom and dad or maybe a grandparent, how'd you get there? How did you find faith? Well, your parents came to Christ, probably through their parents or grandparents or a missionary, and they came here on a boat from some other country, probably in Europe or Asia somewhere, but they brought their faith with them. Your parents or your great-great-grandparents were eventual missionaries to you. And wherever they were from, from Europe or Asia, they heard the gospel from a missionary who then heard it from a missionary and so on. All the way back to Paul, all the way back to the disciples and Jesus. Think through that and I hope you get my drift. If you could follow the path of the gospel all the way back to its origins, guess what? It would have originated with one of the apostles who received it from Jesus. Who himself was sent by the Father. John 17. You owe it to the missionary, as Paul says, to pray for them. You owe it to the triune God for the gospel that has saved you. So how can you pray for the missionary then? Well, in case you're new, we have what we call Seamless Links with Heather and Andres and also with Jerome and Morgan. They're Alliance missionaries, and we have a partnership with them. When we created that Seamless Link partnership, we committed to praying for them for their families, for their field, for their ministries. And we agreed to raise funds to help support special projects that aren't actually covered by the allowance that missionaries get from our National Ministry Center. Each week in the bulletin and also in our email, church email newsletter, we give you updates on ways to pray for those seamless links and also for an unreached people group. There's also an email that a select group of people get. You can sign up for it but that would make you special. So, but it's a special email from our National Ministry Center, which has even more ways to pray for more of our missionaries. There's also a regular magazine that comes out. We put it in your church mailbox. It's called The Alliance Connection. And that magazine then tells stories of how God is doing the work of missions through our missionaries on the field in response to your prayers. There are lots of ways to partner with our missionaries and with the Triune God to pray missionary prayers. You can go on to a website called joshuaproject.net, and that will help to inform you. There's also an app for that. It's called Unreached People, Unreached of the Day. And if you download that app, it's on any one of your uh, mobile device uh, platforms, and it will give you a reminder of an unreached people group to pray for each day. Read a book. Read a book other than that Christian pulp fiction that Christians are so given to. Pray a real book. Pray for like a book called Praying for Your Missionary, How Prayers from Home Can Reach the Nations by Eddie Byan. Think of ways that you can keep your missionary praying and your family engaged. Put a map up in the house of ways to pray and places to pray for. I use Google Maps, or Google Earth, sorry, to zoom in on those places that our missionaries live in. This is like, there's Mumbai, right? We're in India. And if you zoom in on Mumbai, so go to the next one, you can start getting down to street level. You can see different places, and here it is. And you can just walk through that street as if you're prayer walking. And so I know my Alliance missionaries that are working in Mumbai, and I pray for them, and I prayer walk for them and with them. And I pray for the different places that are there. And sometimes you come across people, though some places they're all blurred out, but there are some places that Google Maps hasn't blurred out faces to, and that's pretty cool. I use Google Maps to zoom in on those places to pray for those missionaries in the exact streets that they're working in. So learn to pray ways, new ways, that even our technology affords us. And that would be great. Point number two. Missionary praying is constant struggle. Missionary praying is constant struggle. Verse 30, I urge you, brothers, by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me, notice he says, in my struggle by praying to God for me. This is the challenging part of missionary praying. It's really the challenging part of all praying, but I think especially of missionary praying. And as a result, if you're expecting prayer to become easier for you one day, You're going to be waiting a long time. And as a result, you're probably going to give up praying. Because it's hard. It's a struggle. Because missionary praying is always a struggle. And if you don't pray because you think you're not eloquent enough to pray, because maybe, I don't know, have you listened to an old saint pray and you think to yourself, man, I could never be that eloquent. And it kind of shuts you down. Don't worry about that. They weren't always that eloquent. The eloquent prayers are there because they've had experience and they've pressed into prayer. They haven't given up when prayer was a struggle. And God blessed their prayer life. See, the more you pray, the better you'll pray. But it will always be a struggle. Prepare yourself for that. And that's why at the beginning, Paul's phrase, I urge you, shows us that even he had to motivate the Roman church to pray. Every translation says it just a bit differently. The NIV and the New American Standard Bible and the New Living Translation use the phrase, I urge you. The English Standard Version and the Christian Standard Bible use the words, I appeal to you. The King James Version and the Authorized Standard Version use the words, I beseech you. The New King James Version says, I beg you. The Greek is parakleio. And it means to call near. So you can hear the urgency that Paul has for his church. In whatever translation you use, you can hear the urgency to call them alongside him for missionary praying. And you can read how he encourages them to pray. He says in verse 30, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit. Have You ever heard somebody say, for the love of God. That's what he's saying here. And if we would learn to persevere in prayer, even when praying is hard, there is a help that comes to us by the Spirit and by Christ that only happens when you've learned to press into prayer with determination. Romans 6, 26-27, Paul says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he searches our hearts, and he knows the mind of the and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints, that's you, in accordance with God's will. And then Paul says in Romans 8 34, a little bit later, he says, Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God. And it is he also who is interceding for us. Oh, wow. You have indwelling, interceding prayer partners, folks. Friends, missionary praying is a triune thing, and it is a constant struggle. And that's why Paul does a real good job later on in the letter to the Roman church to remind them, to encourage them, to urge them to not give up praying for the ongoing work of the gospel. To remind them, even though they don't get called to go to the nations themselves, that they have the Holy Spirit and Jesus as indwelling divine prayer partners. And so do you. Learn to press into that. So that when you run out of words and when you're far from eloquent, the Holy Spirit promises to come alongside you and intercede for you. He prays for you, Paul says. And when we run out of strength, the resurrected living Christ comes alongside you to intercede for you, praying for the work of the gospel. Doesn't that just encourage your socks off as a struggling prayer warrior? It should. That's great news. Well, you're going to need that encouragement because missionary praying is a particular kind of struggle. That word struggle, son. Agonizomai is a Greek word from the Greek language that is broken up in, from two words, sun meaning united, and agonizomai meaning agony. It's the same word used by Jesus, of Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying in Luke chapter 2, verse 44. You remember that scene? And being in agony, the scripture says, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Friend, at that moment in Jesus' experience on earth, the anticipation of taking the weight of the world's sin, point, point to yourself like this, even my sin and your sin on his shoulders, that was agony for him. The temptation to avoid that agony must have been unbelievably unbearable. But he bore it. And aren't you glad he did? Because in that prayer, your salvation was at stake, my friends. I don't know if you realize what was at stake in that moment, but your salvation was at stake in that moment. When you and I pray today, the salvation of those who have not yet heard is at stake. Point to yourself again. Certainly saving people is the Father's job, but for whatever reason, He has chosen to make His church His ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5, 18-20, All this salvation is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. And he he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. How? As though God were making his appeal through us. Point at yourself again. Come on. Point. That's why Paul urges us to pray in united agony. Join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. If you remember Jesus' agony, agonizing struggle to pray in Gethsemane, you remember that scene? What were his disciples doing? (laughs) You know it. They were sleeping. They fell asleep. And what was it Jesus said, can't you wait one hour with me? Notice he says with me, not for me, he said with me. They didn't get the urgency, they didn't get the desperation of Jesus' missionary calling and what was at stake in their, in their prayers. And I fear that we may be a lot like them. So easy to get distracted here in the West and to get demotivated Because there's so many other good things to be involved in. John R. Mott. Have you heard of him? He didn't make applesauce. But he wrote 16 books. He crossed the Atlantic 100 times, over 100 times, the Pacific 14 times. Averaging 34 days on the open ocean per year for 50 years. This is before there were airlines, before they ever existed. He delivered thousands of speeches, chaired innumerable conferences. He received honorary awards from the governments of China, Czechoslovakia, Finland, France, Greece, Hungary, Italy, Japan, Jerusalem, Poland, Portugal, Siam, Sweden, and the United States. He was given six honorary doctorates or degrees, sorry, from universities of Brown, Edinburgh, Princeton, Toronto, Yale, and Upper Iowa. Good old Upper Iowa and an honorary degree from the Russian Orthodox Church in Paris. Besides all that, he was an evangelist and a long-serving leader in the Young Men's Christian Association, you might know it as the YMCA, and also with the World Student Christian Federation. For his humanitarianism, his work there, he won a Nobel Prize. He was a man who knew a lot and saw a lot, and he had been in a lot of churches. And this is what he observed. He said, It is possible for the most obscure person in any church with a heart right toward God to exercise as much power for the evangelization of the world as it is for those who stand in the most prominent positions. Friends, he would know. And friends, struggling prayer puts any person in the church, any believer on the same footing with God as the Apostle Paul, Billy Graham, Catherine Booth of the Salvation Army, John Mott of the YMCA, and others. Friends, let's get into the struggle of praying for the gospel. Let Lawson be known for it. Number three. With that then, missionary praying must be Specific, it must be specific. Verse 31, pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service in Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints there so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and together with you be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. Paul is not interested in eloquent prayers. He wants us to pray simple prayers. He just wants us to pray. While there's a lot of different things to pray for in this Bible of ours, this passage gives us three specific prayer requests for missionaries, and we can incorporate those into our missionary struggling prayer. First is for safety. Paul says in verse 31, pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea. Paul knew that he was about to go into a very dangerous situation, and so he asked the Roman believers to pray for his protection. Let's please, please pray for safety for our missionaries. One of the missionaries at our missions conference workshops, he and his wife were in North Africa. They're now here because of family issues. But he was in one of, they were in one of those hard-to-reach, unreached people groups. His parents were missionaries before him, and his dad was shot and killed on the mission field. Since the beginning of the alliance, our first missionaries to Africa, died on the field, some of disease, some from persecution. We had missionaries die at the Boxer Rebellion in North China in 1901. We had missionaries die in Vietnam in the 1960s. In 2002, 31-year-old missionary Bonnie Weatherall was murdered by Islamic extremists as she was opening the door to the Alliance Health Clinic in Lebanon. Her husband, Gary, was asked by CNN reporters if he could interview him and ask about his wife, and trying to get a, you know, like, what on earth was she doing out on the field kind of a response from him. His response was this. My wife died because of her love for the church and because she loved helping the people of Sidon and Lebanon. Friends, that's why Paul asks in 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 2, And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not everyone has faith. When you pray for missionaries, pray for their spiritual and physical safety. Number three, pray for gospel receptivity. Gospel receptivity. As we discussed last week, Jerusalem was the hub. Jerusalem was the hub. It was there that the first church started at the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon the church. It was also the place that received a lot of persecution from the Apostle Paul before he was Paul, before he became a Christian. Paul used to be Saul of Tarsus, a Pharisee who persecuted the church. He had Jews who converted to Jesus, arrested, some jailed, some punished, and some even killed. So the church in Jerusalem still didn't know whether or not they could trust this guy. And so he requested prayer that the church in Jerusalem would see the work that he'd done for the gospel already since becoming, since his conversion. And then to accept him as a servant of Jesus. Thirdly, pray for joy and rest. Verse 33, Paul says, So that by God's will I may come to you with joy and together with you be refreshed. Everything about Paul's mission seemed to hinge on what would happen in Jerusalem. If Paul didn't get a good reception in Jerusalem, if they didn't accept him, well, maybe that could have been the end of his missionary career. (laughs) I doubt it, because it's the Apostle Paul we're talking about here. I doubt anything could have stopped him. But listen to his travel itinerary so far, as he tells it to the Corinthian church before Rome. He says in in chapter 11, verse 21, Whatever other people dared to brag about, I, if I was a fool, could also brag about myself. I've been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and even exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I have faced daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. All that for what? Missions? <laughs> no. For those who have not yet heard the gospel. And after all that, you'd, you'd need a little rest, wouldn't you? And that's what he was hoping to get when he gets through Rome. You'd want to surround yourself with some good friends, a little bit of rest and relaxation, and you'd also want to be with some people who make you laugh, who could remind you that it's worth it. That's what our missionaries need too. Every five years, they get a furlough. That's a vacation back home for a year. But in those five years, all kinds of things can take place, as you've seen. So brothers and sisters, I urge you by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, for the love of God, let us join with our fellow missionaries in their struggle by praying to the triune God for them, for their safety, for gospel receptivity, and for joy and for rest. These are just a few of the essentials. And if... After all of this praying, and if you still want to broaden your scope of praying even more, I encourage you to get the book by Eddie Eddie Byan called Praying for Your Missionary How Prayers from Home Can Reach the Nations. These are the chapter headings, and I love that they're prayers. Pray for more workers to finish the mission. Chapter two, pray for intimacy with God. Three, for boldness and wisdom. Four, pray for strong singles, marriages, and families. Five, pray for sexual purity. Six, pray for oneness on their team. Seven, pray for never-ending dependence on the Spirit. Eight, pray for united partnerships with other denominations and agencies. Nine, pray to end their service on the field well. They want to end well. And pray, ten, for re-entering well after retirement. Some of our missionaries just stay on the field forever. The more prayers we can release into the mission field, the greater the harvest will be. And that's what our missionaries depend on. So let's commit to praying especially for all who are unreached in the world. To know the name of Jesus. And let's commit to praying for our missionaries who remain faithful and faith-filled for Jesus to get the gospel to them until the end. Let's finish this great commission So that together we can see the glorious return of Jesus in our lifetime. Let's bring back the King, shall we? Because church, we can do this. How do I know? Because Jesus said we eventually would do this. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. As a testimony to all nations, Jesus said this. And then the end will come. So, three ways to commit with us in this task from here on in. Number one, pray for missionaries, as I said. Number two, come to one of our ministry partnership interest nights. Membership, what's it all about? Come and find out tonight or Tuesday night. Sign up at the Welcome Center to let us know. I'll get our chairman, Vince Wiegers, to go out in the lobby again with the clipboard, taking more. I'd love to see everybody there that we can. Number three, join our missions team. We don't have one yet. That's why we need one. We need you to join us to help us think and create ways to increase our partnership with our alliance missionaries. Again, go to the Welcome Center and let's figure that out together. Let's pray. Lord God. We pray with Jesus who prayed for us that we would be one, Father. Just as Jesus was one with you, just as the Spirit is one with you, now make us one by the Holy Spirit indwelling us so that we may be brought brought to complete unity so that the world will know that you sent us and sent your Jesus, that you loved him and that you love us. Show your power through your church, Lord, in our life networks and in every nation that our missionaries reside. And Lord, let us that are here not forget to pray for our missionaries who depend on us for these prayers. Thank you, Lord, for these words in your word. Now take us, Lord, into this week and be blessed by our praying. In Jesus' name, amen.